1: Welcome back in, and uh, I want to bring our next guest in right away. He is author of a wordsmith's work. He's a media law attorney, crisis communications advisor, adjunct professor, prosecutor, former deputy attorney general of the state of Ohio. Mark R. Weaver, welcome back in. How are you today?
2: Yeah, super. Great to be with you. Thank you.
1: Hey, you are Welcome. Uh, I'm looking at an article that you penned, and uh, it's fantastic. It's titled or headlined, By Modern Standards, Biden Should Be Impeached. And uh, I'm just going to give you the floor on this because I have some questions for you. But unpack for our readers why you think that is the case. Or readers, listeners, sorry.
2: (laughs) No worries. Some people might be reading eventually a transcript. You never know. Well, I make the case in my Newsweek column that – By modern standards, the House alone decides who has violated the constitutional standard of high crimes and misdemeanor. And I lay out several of the pieces of evidence that have already been brought forward against Joe Biden and that that standard has been met. Certainly, if if the standard was met for Donald Trump when he called Ukraine and asked them to look into why Joe Biden dangled a billion dollars in loan guarantees to fire a prosecutor who was looking at his son and his son's benefactor, Burisma, that it's worthwhile considering now that we know that that was uh, the wrong thing to do, that that might be one of many bases where Joe Biden has committed high crimes or misdemeanors.
1: And isn't it, I think you mentioned in your opinion piece High crimes and misdemeanors is, is kind of a vague phrase, intentionally, uh, correct?
2: When you read the Founding Fathers' notes when they discussed impeachment, and I, I read several of them before I wrote that piece, they went back and forth about how specific they should be. And ultimately, they left it in the hands of the House. Gerald Ford, who was a, a president but also a House minority leader, one of those rare people in America who served in both the top of the legislative branch and the top of the executive branch, he said essentially, and i quote it in my piece, that high crimes and misdemeanor is whatever the House of Representatives says it is. (laughs) And what that means is that impeachment is essentially a political action, not a legal action, because once the House impeaches, there is no appeal to a court Supreme Court or any other court doesn't get away. And it goes over to the Senate, who then decides whether they're going to remove the president. There's been four impeachments, Andrew Johnson and uh, Bill Clinton, and then twice for Donald Trump. And none of them has resulted in a conviction. But the Founding Fathers thought it best to leave it to the House as to whether a president has committed high, tr- high crimes and misdemeanors.
1: So let me ask this question that I think some people who maybe aren't in the weeds as much as you and I are on a daily basis, they look at it and they go, you know, it kind of started with Clinton and now it was Trump twice and, and now it's Biden. It just seems like it's, it's getting to be more cons- not more consistent, uh, more prevalent. It's something that's easier to do. What would you say to that?
2: Well, we went a hundred and what thirty years between Johnson and Bill, Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton. So yep. we, we went a long time there as a country without having any impeachments, and then we had uh, Clinton, and then not too long after, two Trumps. Uh, both of the Trumps, uh, obviously, those of us uh, on this side of the aisle think that they were rather uh, ridiculous. Having said that, I don't deny the power of the House to do it. What we're seeing when when people talk about impeachment and things like that every branch of the three branches gets to do what it thinks is best. That's how the tug of war, if you will, or the rock, paper, scissors between the branches is supposed to work. So I don't have any quarrel with the House doing this whenever it thinks there's evidence to do that. Now, they should do it because they don't like the guy or because he vetoed one of their bills. Of course not. But I have hyperlinks in my op-ed piece to numerous instances that have already come out about questionable monies being funneled from Ukraine and China and other places to the president's family through either Hunter Biden or James Biden. And we actually have a check from James Biden, that's Joe's brother, to Joe Biden for $40,000 that looks a whole lot like a 10% commission for some of these foreign deals. So there's not just smoke, there's fire.
1: Yeah, it really rattles me. I've listened to... Some folks on conservative radio say, yeah, you know, the Republicans in in the House are saying this, but there really is no evidence. I, I've seen the check. And by the way, that forty thousand dollar check came soon after Hunter Biden received four hundred thousand dollars from communist a communist China energy company. And so it kind of fits that story or that discovery from his laptop that H holds 10 percent for the big guy. And by the way, there's a video of Joe Biden, you know, just kind of tongue in cheek joking about I told him if they wanted to keep that million or billion dollar loan guarantee, he better be off the case. And wouldn't you know it? I I mean, at some point, this is where I get frustrated, Mark. At some point, is someone in the press other than me and a few other handful of people and and, and guys like you, is someone going to stand up and go, hey, we have evidence, we have hard evidence, we have receipts. I worry that people are so frustrated because it is so abundantly clear that it was pay to play for Joe Biden. Uh, But do you think you think this results in anything? Do you think that there is accountability to be had here?
2: Only the purely partisan or deeply delusional say there's no evidence. You've mentioned some in my op ed piece. I talk about some. There's plenty of evidence uh, I think the the analogy I used at the end of my piece was this is saying there's no evidence. is like standing at dawn and denying the sun. <laughs> oh, it's been dark for several hours. There's no light. No, we see the light. It's coming. There's a lot of light. And now that there's a, a new in, uh, investigative um, motion that was passed by the House to officially start an impeachment inquiry, we expect to have more documents coming from people like Hunter Biden, James Biden, and Joe Biden. And when they come out, I think there will be even more evidence than we have now. Accountability, which I think was the question you asked, always comes from voters. You got a lot of smart listeners to this program. They need to organize, get friends and neighbors, elect people, hold those who do wrong accountable, whether it's prosecutors, judges, or senators. Hold the wrongdoers accountable. And that's how we go forward as a country
1: do you think that accountability is coming for joe biden do you think well first of all do you think he's going to be the guy that gets on the ticket i think that he has to be i think they're out of time uh, unless they do something really wonky and probably suspicious and then if he's on the ticket do you think he loses in 24
2: i think he's going to be on the ticket ohio's ohio's filing deadline is next week So unless something's happening between now and next week, Joe Biden will be filed as the Democrat candidate for president in Ohio, and other states have similar early deadlines. It's hard to imagine him leaving. Now, could they replace him? Yes, they could. Is there a mechanism? Of course there is. But the fight that that would bring, uh, I don't think they want that fight. Joe Biden does not want to leave. He fancies himself a two-term president which most presidents want to be, two-term presidents, and his staff who are loyal to him are willing to fight off anybody who would stop. Not to mention there's not a natural heir apparent. They know deep down that the vice president is not going to be a good candidate, and if it's not going to be her, it's going to be a big old fight between several other wannabes. So I think Joe Biden will be the candidate, and he will continue to deteriorate mentally mentally. We've all seen it happen. It's a sad thing to watch. Yeah. And more evidence will come out that, in fact, the Biden family was making millions of dollars for one reason only. That was influence peddling in Washington, D.C.
1: Yeah. And there is a history of it. It's not just with Hunter. You go back to Jimmy and, and Sarah. They, they've they done it since the 90s, and there are now receipts. Uh, he's Mark R. Weaver, author of A Wordsmith's Work, also a media law attorney, crisis communications advisor, adjunct professor, prosecutor, former Uh, deputy attorney general state of ohio follow him on twitter at mark r weaver uh mr weaver thank you for spending time with us again today we really appreciate you
2: have a great day thank you
1: you as well and uh thank you for spending time with me uh we only have one more segment jeff it just it just vanishes it's like a mist it's just gone in a flash uh hey stay tuned uh i've got some tickets for you next and i'll tell you about that on the other side of the break Round and third again, and heading home. Final segment of the Bruce Woolley Show on ninety-eight point nine FM. The Answer. I'm Jack Windsor, editor in chief of the Ohio Press Network, filling in for Bruce. Thank you for listening today. Cirque Dreams Holidays, Friday, December twenty-second, and Saturday, December twenty-third, at the Palace Theater in downtown Columbus. Cirque Dreams Holidays wraps a whimsical Broadway-style musical. Around contemporary circus artistry, in the ultimate holiday gift for the entire family, now, audiences of all ages will marvel at soaring acrobatics, gravity-defying feats, and extravagant theatrical production numbers. Tickets are available now at Cirque, C-I-R-Q-U-E Dreams d r e a m s dot com, Cirque dot com for shows on December twenty second and twenty third. That's Cirque. Dreams.com. And right now, I have a family four pack of tickets to the 11 a.m. show on Saturday, December 23rd, to give away. Right now, it's caller number two. You need to call 844 TALK 989. That's 844 825 5989 to grab your family four pack of tickets for the 11 a.m. show on Saturday, December 23rd, to Cirque Dreams Holidays. So, Caller number two, you're going to be the lucky winner. Um, so I asked Mike Hartley if Governor DeWine would veto House Bill 68, and I didn't make him say it, but I said if DeWine vetoes the bill, he'll say, well, you know, parts of it were okay, but I'm worried about this trans youth part. It should have been carved out, should have been a separate bill, yada, 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 yada. So I just want to – I want to peel the curtain back on all of this again right now. So I talked previously about drug makers. One makes HIV drugs. Another makes a chemical castration pill that are funding the LGBTQ plus movement. Well, the Daily Caller has already shed light on, and I want to revisit here on air right now at this critical time, the fact that big pharma funds activist groups effort – to push trans ideology on U.S. hospitals. Pfizer and Pharma, which is PH and then big RMA, Pharma is a pharmaceutical trade association, funded a medical index that pushes LGBTQ ideologies on young patients while penalizing American hospitals that refuse to follow the index criteria. Now, that's according to the Washington Free Beacon. So – how many hospitals, how many children's hospitals are in Ohio? I talked to somebody today who said, this Dayton Children's Hospital is pushing this, this garbage. Why is that? This is why. And by the way, the medical industrial complex funds Democrats and Republicans. They're cash rich. They pour money into political campaigns and the coffers of politicians through – You guessed it, lobbying firms and direct contributions. So that to me, if Governor DeWine is going to veto this bill, that's why. Now, they're going to they're going to dress it up as we're worried about the trans youth. Well, newsflash, you should talk to any detransitioner. We played a compelling, heart wrenching story of one detransitioner two weeks ago that was sold a bill of goods. It's a medical scandal. Parents are told, look, if you want a happy, healthy, alive child, then you need to dope him or her up and you need to lop off body parts and let that gender dysphoria play out. And the detransitioner said, no, that was wrong. I was more unhappy. And by the way, there were other comorbidities that no one even bothered to ask about. So the Human Rights Campaign introduced the Healthcare Equality Index (HEI) in 2022, a scorecard that surveys U.S. hospitals, "quote, dedicated to the equitable treatment and inclusion of their LGBTQ plus patients, visitors, and employees," according to the Washington Free Beacon. So, someone talked to me today and said, "This all happened so fast." Well, of course it did, because the Human Rights Campaign introduced the index in 2022. Pharma, which is that trade association, and Pfizer fund the index that rates hospitals based on their compliance with its criteria. Now, if you remember during COVID, Mike DeWine had a hearty share or number of shares in Pfizer (laughs) back when we were, uh, you know, as a state pitching vaccines. According to HEI, hospitals that want to attain a perfect score must exhibit LGBTQ symbols, use patients' preferred pronouns, and administer LGBTQ training programs approved by the HRC, according to the scoring criteria. So the straw man argument that this isn't happening in hospitals, you stupid, radical, conspiratorial conservatives make this a – no, not made up. The Health Equality Index is real and it's being pushed on hospitals. The HRC criteria pressures doctors to provide treatments to patients who claim to be transgender without showing symptoms of gender dysphoria while punishing medical institutions that oppose this medical procedure. The index also deducts 25 points from medical facilities for conduct deemed discriminatory against the LGBTQ community and for refusing to perform a hysterectomy or mastectomy on young patients. Beth Rempe, a former nurse at the Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C., said that doctors at her previous employer were required to wear pins displaying the transgender flag made to ask kids unaffected by gender dysphoria for their preferred pronouns and instructed staff members to perform sex change surgeries on patients based on their, quote, mood, end quote. I was concerned that I would eventually have to administer puberty blockers and hormones, not just use the pronouns, Rempe said, according to the Free Beacon. I kept finding myself in situations I wasn't comfortable with ethically. Two hospitals in Texas, UT Southwestern Medical Center and Children's Health in Dallas, got penalized last year for halting puberty blockers on patients affected by gender dysphoria while continuing to use them to treat precocious puberty, according to the Free Beacon. The actions taken by UT Southern Medical Center and Children's Health are life-threatening for transgender youth and required decisive action on our part, said Tari Hahnemann, Director of Health and Aging at the HRC. Right? That's, that's the argument. If you don't allow the gender dysphoria to be played out in doping and cutting off body parts, you're not going to have a happy, healthy, live child A spokesperson for Pharma, Brian Newell, said in a statement provided to the Daily Caller News Foundation, where this story was published, we support and work with a wide variety of organizations to help promote affordable access to health care. Our work with HRC has primarily focused on issues impacting patient access and affordability, including for those with HIV, cancer and other deadly diseases. We were not involved in the development or the release of a specific project. No, you just partnered with you just partnered with Pfizer um, <clears throat> in a statement provided to the Daily Caller News Foundation. Pfizer said Pfizer funds the health equality index as part of the company's ongoing commitment to healthcare access and equity for all. The funding is made through an unrestricted grant. Pfizer is not involved in the index's development, production or scoring process. Folks, the medical industrial complex is pushing opposition to House Bill 68. Will Governor DeWine Cave? Or will he stand strong? We'll find out, and I'll be here to
0: report it to you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn,